0: Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is Nick Learns Everything. We're back. If you're new to the podcast, it's essentially me sharing a lot of new things uh, that I learn. And I like to uh, use the podcast to, just as I learn something new, um, kind of explore it more and more, do my own research, and then share it with you through the podcast. They say teaching is a great way to learn something new, and I've, I've found that many times in my life. And I think this podcast gives me a chance to do that, and it's been really awesome to do so far. I hope uh, everybody listening really enjoys it, but we're back, we're rolling, and um, let's just go ahead and jump into it today. So, I recently learned that nearly 70% of the U.S. GDP is made up of consumer spending. Basically, what that means is 70% of our economy is based on us just buying shit. And I know it's more complicated than that, but that's sort of um, the the most basic sort of me just on here talking version of what we're going to be talking about today that I can give you. Now, I know a lot of you are probably familiar with economic terms like GDP and consumer spending. But I want to take a quick second to dive a little deeper than obviously that very basic bitch version of what I just said that 70% number is, because it's important that we have a little bit of framing moving forward. So I want to give an actual definition to some of these terms. So let's start with GDP. According to Investopedia, GDP is defined as... Gross domestic product is the total monetary or market value of all the finished goods and services produced within a country's borders in a specific time period. As a broad measure of overall domestic production, it functions as a comprehensive scorecard of a given country's economic health. If you want to keep things really simple, you can basically just say that U.S. GDP is how much the United States is worth. That's kind of a a really, really simple way to look at it. It's basically the culmination of all the shit that we make and all of the services that we provide. And it's typically measured every year. So you can kind of see where the U.S. GDP was each year of our existence and you can kind of see where it matches up to other countries every year but that's typically how they measure it so now that we've got that covered i just before we really move on i want to also touch on consumer spending because like i said we started this with i learned that 70 percent of the us gdp comes from consumer spending so in the united states the consumer spending figure published by the Bureau of Economic Analysis includes three broad categories of personal spending. The first category is durable goods. So that's motor vehicles and parts, uh, furnishings and durable household equipment, recreational goods and vehicles, and other durable goods. So that kind of gives you some examples of that. Non-durable goods are Food and beverages uh, purchased for off-premise consumption. So that'd be like a grocery store type stuff. Clothing and footwear, gasoline, and other energy goods, and also non-durable goods. And then the final, the third category is services. So that includes housing and utilities, healthcare, transportation services, recreation services, food services, and accommodations, financial services, and insurance, and other services. So right there, as I'm reading that off, it sounds kind of like everything. But the important distinction here is it's everything that you as a regular person listening to this podcast spend money on. That stuff makes up 70% of our GDP. And that 70% is a very important number because it's a large majority. It's actually huge if you think about it. If I said to you something like, hey, the staff and all the guests at that hotel over there are made up of 70% ghosts, you would either be very terrified or very excited. And when I say excited... I'm talking to all the spectrophiles out there, because I found out about a little show on the Travel Channel that's called Ghostly Lovers, and it's exactly what you think it is. It's people having sex with ghosts. That's exactly, that's exactly what the show is. And hey, you can make fun of it all you want, but just know that there was an interview with Ryan Seacrest that Kesha did, you know, like. Kesha like TikTok like 500 or like 500 million views I think that song had on YouTube like that Kesha so she did an interview with Ryan Seacrest and she said she wrote a song called Supernatural and quote it's about experiences with the supernatural but in a sexy way I had a couple of experiences with the supernatural I don't know his name he was a ghost I'm very open to it. So you sit there and you tell me what's more ridiculous. The people like Kesha who are out here in these streets having sex with ghosts or the actual non-ghost grown adult men who Kesha has had sex with, who I would imagine she would describe as still not as good at sex as that ghost. Because how many interviews has Kesha given with Ryan Seacrest where she talked about an actual physical human man being good at sex? Because she's got one where she talked about a ghost. And so you tell me who's more ridiculous. And maybe you think about that before you judge someone's paranormal perversions. All right? This is, we're learning. These are life lessons that I'm teaching you right now. Just you know, think before you judge. Anyway, look, my point is, if there's a hotel that's comprised of 70% ghosts, regardless of whether or not that scares or excites you, you probably have the same reasoning for whatever way you feel. And that reasoning is basically this whole hotel is ghosts because 70% is a massive majority. And That's honestly why you would either love it or hate it, because seventy percent in any context is a very overwhelming majority. Seventy percent of U.S. GDP being comprised of consumer spending means consumer spending is the overwhelming majority of what makes up our GDP, and that's just really fascinating. I find that really fascinating that I learned that. Like I, when I learned it. I just, I mean, that's, I, it makes sense when you say it, but it feels like the economy at times is this thing that we aren't real, like, nobody really understands, right? It's like one of those things where it's like, ah, it's for the experts, like, everybody listens to the experts. People like to posture and try to pretend that they kind of know what's going on, but like, at the end of the day, it's, it's supposed to be one of these things that feels very confusing, but it's like when 70% of what the united states is worth is just us buying shit it does sort of help simplify things and i think it also helps people understand how powerful we are because our actions and where we spend our dollars is making up the majority of what's going on here and that's just a very important thing to remember so now that we've covered what exactly that 70 percent stat means Let's sort of turn now to why it's important to be aware of that stat, especially during the COVID era. So if you look leading up to the stock market crash that caused the Great Depression in 1929, U.S. consumer spending at that time made up 75% of our country's GDP. And according to the Federal Reserve, that percentage actually fell to 50% during World War II. And it's been steadily climbing ever since. And what this means is that our current consumer spending holds more weight relative to our GDP than it has in almost a hundred years. Now, here's where COVID comes into play. With consumer spending dominating such a large percentage of the economy, the impact of COVID on everyday Americans and their spending behavior, it's proven to be massively detrimental to the economy in a way that, frankly, can only be solved by an increase in consumer spending. So there's a consulting uh, company that's one of the largest in the world that's called McKinsey. And they conducted a survey in October that showed five fundamental shifts to consumer behavior during covid So the first one is a shift to uh, essentials and value. Basically, people are kind of tightening up, right? They're more focused on just what do we need? A lot less wants going on. They've also moved a lot more digital. uh, A lot uh, Primarily, things are being purchased on the internet. So that's where you see Amazon coming into play even more. That's where you see Amazon and Jeff Bezos. His net worth has grown like some sort of insane amount during COVID. It's because of that shift. The third shift is they call a shock to loyalty, which is basically like when you go to the grocery store, you have certain brands that you like, but when the economy starts to uh, when the economy starts to go into a recession, people also tighten up in that area, so they aren't as willing to buy a brand name thing as they are just buy the generic version of it because it's cheaper. The fourth shift. is is what they call the homebody economy, which is basically uh, the idea of like nobody's going to the movie theaters anymore, restaurants, things like that. Everybody's staying home. So those businesses that you have to go to are impacted. And then the final one, the fifth one, is uh, what they call the new holiday outlook, which is basically you've got, I think it was like 25% of Americans are taking a step back for Christmas this year, basically. And all these shifts show how COVID is directly hurting the portion of our economy that I keep talking about that is that 70%. It's that consumer spending percentage. COVID is impacting it. You can see with those five shifts. These are massive shifts that are happening in the economy. They're directly related to COVID and they're directly affecting 70% of the GDP. And it's all of these factors that sort of led me to a simple question as i was doing this research because at the end of the day and i've said this before we need to focus on why and how questions if we want to move things forward towards a positive outcome in any scenario that we're looking at once we've diagnosed a problem we have to start asking the why and the hows now to be honest, we've already covered a lot of whys, I think, so far in this podcast. So let's take a second to ask the question of how do we use this information to form a plan that helps drive consumer spending moving forward? Because we've shown that that's a very important piece of all of this. So how, how do we help people spend more money moving forward? Because it seems very, very clear that that is going to impact the economy the most. We see how important the impact of consumer spending is on the economy. So the question really needs to pertain to how do we supercharge consumer spending? And realistically, that should help to supercharge the economy. In particular, with a new round of COVID stimulus, hopefully on the horizon, now that we're post-election... How do we direct that stimulus in the best way possible to help the economy, given all of the information that we have? Basically, where do we spend that money? The stimulus is going to happen. Where do we spend it, though? That's the, how is it structured, right? That is the important question here. And here I go again. Here's where things get very radical, very crazy. Why don't we just give? the stimulus exclusively to the people of the United States and the small businesses of this country, rather than to giant corporations who got the first one. And we're going to get into that in a second. I just showed you how incredibly important consumer spending is to the economy. So my argument is, let's look at the easiest way to increase consumer spending, because it's clearly going to be the most impactful use of the stimulus. So, you see, I'm a big fan of a guy named Chamath Palihapitiya. He's a a billionaire. He's one of these guys who speaks very uh, bluntly whenever he's interviewed. Um, And he does a lot of media stuff. So, you can find, if you uh, look him up on YouTube, you can find uh, a lot of different uh, interviews he's done and talks he's given. But, Anyway, he was recently on CNBC, and he said, quote, If you really believe in trickle-down economics, then let's actually see how trickle-down economics would work. Give money into the hands of ordinary Americans. What I guarantee you they will do is they will spend. And he goes on to say, That's the best way to implement trickle-down economics in the next 10 to 20 years. Focus on people. Give capital to them. Let them spend. The businesses that understand how to give a great customer experience will win. And then the money flows through the companies. And then it will eventually flow into shareholders' pockets. And that is a much better way to run the economy, knowing what we know. And I think the key phrase there is knowing what we know. 70% of the economy is consumer spending driven. We've already covered that. Large corporations have honestly proven to be poor allocators of capital. We can I, I don't want to spend a time on this right now, but we you can go back and look at the 2008 financial crisis and see that. The amount of bonuses they give to people and stock buybacks that then fucked us later on. Like you can see that clearly. Large corporations are not good allocators of capital. They want you to think they are, they are not. It's proven. Large corporations For the most part, have been proven to be corrupt and selfish and top heavy. Meanwhile, small businesses, on the other hand, in this country, they know how to allocate capital because they have to do it every day. And additionally, Americans have proven to contribute overwhelmingly to the portion of the economy that I'm talking about. And that's that 70% that is consumer spending. And during these COVID times, particularly when they were given stimulus. And seriously, I want all of you who are listening to really focus on what I'm saying here. Too many people are worried about the meaningless partisan fight about which political party is holding up the stimulus. Focusing on that is useless. The delay in getting a deal done for stimulus will not matter when the government greenlights more stimulus and sends a giant chunk of it to these huge companies again. The issue is where we're spending the money. Not when, not how much. It's happening either way. It's going to happen I, when, I don't know. How much, I cannot tell you exactly. What we can all agree on, though, is there is going to be more COVID stimulus. And what percentage of that is coming to us as Americans rather than corporations? In the first stimulus package, that was the CARES Act that we've all heard of a million times, we sent more money to airlines than student loans. And people just somehow accepted that. Because of a talking point that said, well, we can't let the airlines fail. As if not sending the airlines $50 billion was going to somehow mean that we wouldn't have planes anymore. You couldn't go visit your grandma in Texas anymore. That was never going to happen. They wanted to f- They freaked everyone out. When they're talking about if we don't give these airlines all this money, everyone will get laid off. It will be chaos. There won't be planes. In fact, what would happen is another airline that probably has a better relationship with a bank would just buy one of the airlines that was failing. The better run airlines would succeed. And at the end of the day, a company that was looking to possibly get into that industry, because we have a lot of companies like that that exist, let's be honest, there are companies that are in a ton of industries, we can get into monopolies and antitrust law, But right now, let's focus on the fact that that does exist. One of them would have bought one of these companies. We sent more money to those airlines than we did to student loan assistance for the actual people of this country who our workforce overwhelmingly is burdened by student loan debt. But here's a point that I really, really hope, if you remember anything from this podcast, please remember what I am about to say. Through the first stimulus package that we had in this country, the CARES Act, we sent more money to corporations than hospitals, veterans' health care, stockpiled equipment, drug access, child nutrition, food banks. Kindergarten through 12th grade schools, family programs, student loans, and extra unemployment benefits combined. We sent more money to corporations than all of those things combined, and that is fucking insane. And it's your tax dollars that are at work there. Now, of course people will try to frame this as some sort of, well, but what comes first, the chicken or the egg argument? And they'll say something like, but Nick, the companies who are providing the goods and services for consumers to spend that money on, they need the money to be able to provide those goods and services for people to be able to buy in the first place. So, We actually have to make sure that those companies are healthy because otherwise people won't have anywhere to spend the money. And those people drive me crazy because they just simply don't believe in the free market economics that exist in this country. And I kind of feel bad because I think a lot of people that have that viewpoint view capitalism through the lens of the big corporations that they've worked for for their entire career. And oftentimes it's the people that make that argument are those people that are these lifelong large corporation employees. They see the health of large corporations as being coupled with the health of the, uh, the economy as a whole. And the reality in the United States is that the Census Bureau reports that 47% of the U.S. workforce comes from small business. It's practically a 50-50 split. Half the people in this country work for a small business. And so I just think it's unfortunate that... I think there's a lot of people that have a biased viewpoint when it comes to this because they're just on that one half that is part of the uh, corporate America structure. And you have an entire other half of the country who is part of the small businesses... And because those large corporations have so much money and they have so much lobbying power, I think that sometimes it gives the people that are uh, involved in that structure as sort of, you know, maybe like middle management type people, they they are constantly being fed the idea that the corporations are a lot more powerful and a lot bigger than they actually are when it comes to the workforce And I just think it's unfortunate that that bias exists because I get it that people get scared when the economy is at a point where it is right now. But I think the large corporations in this country are holding us hostage during COVID because they'll say things like, if you don't give us this stimulus, then we have to lay everybody off. And then it's just Armageddon. And I get that when they say that that is scary. I do. I do. I get that that is scary. And I think because of that, most of us don't argue when the government pours stimulus into the giant corporations because we're afraid everyone's going to get laid off. But you know who else it's scary for? The other half of America whose small businesses aren't getting that money and whose businesses are closing and they're just as laid off as anybody else. You see, when 70% of the entire US GDP is driven by consumer spending, then I would think that the logical solution is to put the stimulus into the hands of the consumers because they drive the economy by definition. The simple reason why businesses are laying people off is because they aren't making money, because people aren't spending money. Giving corporations money doesn't help people spend money. Giving the people money helps people spend money. And of course, I obviously have the proof to back this up. Apple, Target, Best Buy, Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Chipotle, Wendy's, All reported consumer spending increases after the first round of stimulus checks went out. And MarketWatch also showed record consumer spending in May, which, as you remember, was post-stimulus, like stimulus checks to people. Simply put, the largest contributing factor to GDP in this country is consumer spending, and that's why we have to make it the sole priority in this COVID era. If you use the stimulus for checks, To send to Americans, then people will spend immediately. If you use the stimulus for student loan forgiveness, people will have more money every month in their pockets and be able to spend immediately. If you use the stimulus to provide more loans and grants to small businesses, then they can scale and provide work for people who are unemployed, which will allow them to spend as consumers immediately. If you use the stimulus to provide unemployment benefits, then people can continue spending right now. All of this is going to fuel the portion of our economy that contributes to 70% of our GDP. We have to start the conversation with consumer spending. And when it comes to the stimulus money that no matter what we are going to spend, then we would be crazy not to primarily put it into the hands of people. We will take care of the corporations through our spending. It's not the other way around. Now, of course, this plan would force competition on those large corporations. They would have to provide a great customer experience, as Chamath said, but here's the best part. Even if they can't handle the competition, everyone in those companies isn't going to get laid off. Because they'll just get bought out by a bigger and more successful corporation and everything will be fine. The stimulus is going to happen either way. We just need to make sure it goes to the people. And if you're someone listening to this and you identify as more of a fiscal conservative and you're more worried about the amount of money that we're having to print to provide the stimulus in the first place, regardless of where it's going then why not consider, since it's already being printed, giving it to the people as far more of an investment than giving it to the corporations? As we feed consumer spending, which we've established is the mechanism behind 70% of our GDP, then the economy is going to grow over time. This means corporations will grow. And if you couple the stimulus with some corporate tax reform in the future, then you can make the money back that you're printing long-term. I also find that consumers typically spend money on things that point towards the future. We love to spend money on new industries and new technology and new ideas. What is a better way to invest in the future of America than to put money into the hands of small businesses and consumers and let them show us where the future is? But look, here's the deal. At the end of the day, what the hell do I know? Look, my junior high got shut down three times for bomb threats in one year. So, I mean, to be honest, they were probably planning on teaching us all this stuff. And then they just, they, you know, we had the bomb threats and they just got to skip it. I'm not a global macroeconomic expert. I'm not a policy expert. I'm just the guy. But you know who else? I don't think is exactly a macroeconomic expert. Some of the politicians who are going to represent us when they vote for the stimulus on our behalf. I mean, the people who signed off on the first one were the wildly trustworthy Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, the frequently bankrupt president Donald Trump, and a former Goldman Sachs banker in the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. So we definitely had our absolute best people on it the first time. Maybe let's try something new this time. As always, shout out to all the real ones, all my family and friends. I was like that in these episodes by just saying thanks for helping me get here and more importantly, getting me where I'm headed. To everybody listening, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. It, seriously, it's, it, it just means the world to me. I'm just like, I'm sitting here in my house talking into a microphone and there's just people that are getting value from it and it's just the coolest thing ever so just thank you to everyone who's listening uh seriously i love you guys do me a favor enjoy your life this week life is supposed to be fun if it's not change it change it so it's fun it's supposed to be fun for real anyway I'll see you guys next time. Until then, keep learning new things. Adopt more dogs. And honestly, if you got a little crush on a ghost, go ahead and tell them. You never know how it might play out. I'll see you guys next time.